Hi, this is Sly Ryan, the Metal Birds, and you're listening to Wild Man and Steve. You are about to listen to the intersection of faith, talk, and music. The Wild Man and Steve Show starts right now. Welcome back to the Wild Man and Steve Show with Wild Man and Steve. We now return you to part two of the interview with Chris Darren of the Truce Podcast. Um, uh, so the idea of this podcast, how do you categorize it are we talking specifically church history are we talking church history plus the gospel are we talking like if if what is your i probably i don't know if i've heard it before but like what is your elevator pitch for the podcast so our listeners can understand more oh yeah so usually i just say it's a it's a history show that looks inside the christian church Uh, i'm trying to figure out how we got here why everybody's so angry and how we can do better um, and mm-hmm. so that's, that's usually the pitch. And so like last season was on the history of fundamentalism. Season three was on how um, fear of communism and socialism impacted the American Christian church. And uh, next season will be looking at how we as evangelicals tied ourselves to the Republican party. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, usually what, uh, usually how I pitch it. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if their eyes don't yeah. glaze over, we can get into something a little <laughs> more in depth. But yeah, no, um, not, not hearing you say that, I remember, you know, I think you start every episode that way, don't you? Similarly. Yeah, yeah very yeah, similarly. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm going to the podcast movement conference here in August uh, in uh, Denver. And uh, my goal is to try to talk to everybody I possibly can. And so I talk myself hoarse across the week. But uh, throughout that, I it's been really good because I've done it several times and you kind of narrow your pitch down as you go because mm. you you just have a short amount of time and it's been really good for me and to see like at what point do i get their attention it's usually when i say why are we so angry mm. um, yeah. because i think a yeah. lot of people associate evangelicals with the idea of anger mm-hmm. uh, which is mm-hmm. unfortunate but uh it is one of our defining characteristics right now yeah now i don't want you i don't want to ask you to give away your secrets for season 50 56 <laughs> but but I'm ready to ask this. I'm going to ask this anyway, um, mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm assuming it'll take you 56 seasons to get to what I'm going to ask. So okay. with your research so far, how would you explain, identify, gauge the current church status in our culture? Oh, you know, I, I want to just remain optimistic as much as I can. I mean, the church, the capital C church is Christ's bride. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, as a, as a believer, I have to believe in miracles and I have to believe that the fruits of the spirit can change people and make a difference. Um, and that that's what we're about. So we're, you know, we're in a, a stage maybe where there's going to be some windowing, some, you know, wheat, and the, wheat the, what's the wheat in the chaff. And, uh, I think, you know, we need to remain optimistic that God can do great things. 
yeah. even though we're we're tied in knots. And uh, you know, we could grind our teeth and stuff, but this is this is how it's always been. The church has never been a perfect organ, the you know, a united front. Uh, it's never had its focus completely on the gospel, <laughs> you know. Uh, so we've been fighting. We've been kind of fighting battles and getting involved in politics since you know uh, Constantine. So um, uh, it's uh, I have to have hope that if we've had revival before, we can have revival again. And a lot of that's going to come from humility. Um, and a lot of it's going to come from focusing on the gospel and realizing that my neighbor is not my enemy. So, um, yeah, that's hopefully that's a good enough answer. I know everybody always wants me to like get into what are the steps that got us to here today, but uh, I'm happy to do that. But uh, and generally, I, I have to have optimism that Christ can still change lives, uh, including mine. You know, I, I think you know, Wild Man hears that answer. I hear that answer. I think that's that's exciting stuff. I think everything we've talked about is exciting. We we would want to listen to your podcast and 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 do. But yeah. who have you found make up some of your audience? I I, I don't know how much you get into that yeah. or, or or explore your your own demographics in terms of your your audience. Uh, but if you have any sense of that, who are some of the folks that make that up for you? It's it's really all over the place. Um, it truly is. So by the grace of God, there are people listening who have no faith in God and just want to understand. Um, I have a historian that's coming on season six who's not a believer, um, has a Jewish background, and uh, listened to a ton of the episodes. Um, so when I talked to him, he was talking to me about stuff. I'm like, you listened to that many episodes? It was really exciting. Um, then uh, I have people who are uh, kind of far to the right and may not necessarily agree with everything I talk about, same with people far in the left. Um, and uh, they still listen. And um, the, you know, uh, so it's 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 all over the place, which is kind of delightful for me. Um, yes. and I, the the hard thing is that you never know when you're gonna step on toes, um, especially uh, at the end of some of the seasons, I do these takeaway episodes where I kind of try to highlight, what are some of the themes of the season? And um, I pull out the stops and I'm like, here's the gospel. We're going to talk about the gospel on some of these. And, um, and so sometimes my numbers will dip down after that. But uh, that's ultimately the goal of the show is not just to be, you know, beating down on the church, <laughs> but to try to build this up and say, like, how can we really be followers of Christ in the moment? Um, so I, I welcome anybody. Uh, but that's a tough road to hoe. It's much easier to um, to 
divide. And they're always telling you at these yes. podcast conferences to narrow down your focus and try to narrow your audience and try to f- pick an audience. I, I don't think that's helpful for the church, at least in what oh, I'm listen, doing. Listen, church, churches too. Uh, I mean, yeah. you, you want a good church growth strategy. You narrow your focus, right? You right. focus yeah. on young demographic married yeah. you think about your college focus you're you're focused solely on this issue or whatever and, and narrow 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 you want to build you you can do that mm-hmm. but is that really what god has called the church to be is yeah. in your case is what god's called your podcast to be um and and i like the fact that you, as you said you've got whether it's a believer a non-believer mm. people from different uh, aspects of the political spectrum I like to think that outside of all the shouting and screaming on social media and all of the cancel culture and all that, that there are still thoughtful people capable of listening and having meaningful conversation, meaningful discussion in a civilized society. And and it sounds as if that's what you're experiencing. Yeah. I mean, you're always going to have people who are angry, but, uh, you know, a lot of times when somebody is angry about something, there's an underlying issue. And uh, when they're they're expressing their anger at you, but they're really angry at something else. And so a lot of the times it just takes a matter of a little bit of time to get under that and be like, what are you, what are you actually angry at? Um, and I, I find actually um, like this podcast movement conference I'm going to in August, God willing. Um, uh, a few years ago, they had uh, Ben Shapiro come in um, and uh, he's a conservative pundit. Mm-hmm. And um, he was asked to leave because um, he was, being a bully, let me say. <laughs> uh, people try to defend him, uh, you know, but he was being a bully, and uh, so they asked him to leave, and uh, and so there was this big outcry of like, oh no, the conservatives aren't welcome in podcast movement, and there was a lot of trepidation amongst people there, and it was like, but listen, you're missing the main thing. It's not that he was a conservative; it's that he was a bully. You know, like uh, if you come in with an opinion, a lot of people are open to talking to you. You know, you come in. With the gospel, you come in with an open heart. You want to know who they really are. Uh, you're invested in them as, as a person. They're receptive most of the time. Yes. Um, it's when you come in as a bully, <laughs> expect to be treated as a bully. You know, um, and so that's uh, I, I think extremely important to demonstrate to people that we can we can talk about these things um, without having to strong arm people. You know. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Sure. And you won't make heaven with your back to the Lord And you see the light in you Standing on the edge of time Wishing I could make things right And if life will somehow make me See things like you do We'll be
So uh, we always end every episode with a wild man on the spot question. I'm going to do a wild man on the spot question, but I want everybody to know this is not ending the episode because this question is probably going to extend this episode. Um, we may even go to a two-parter with this one, Steve. Just so you know, just, so just be prepared there, Steve. Um, so in relation to the name that you mentioned earlier and my favorite character of your podcast being William yeah. Jennings Bryan. Sure. Um, I, I, I think you've indirectly touched on this, but I don't know that you ever came out and said it. And if you don't want to come out and say it, that's fine. This is your time and we'll just, uh, <laughs> we'll just never have you on again, but you know, that's fine. Yeah. No, no. fine. Um, no. So seriously, um, is there a current politician that reminds you of William Jennings Bryan? A lot of them do. I, I think a lot of the the different sides are playing from the same playbook uh, anymore. Mm. And I discussed this in an episode called Populism, um, that they're like, uh, there are a lot of different people who are moving on this idea of speaking for the underdog, the average person, the, the person who's been trod upon. And you see that upon, uh, around the, across the whole political spectrum. So even in that episode, I played clips from Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump and um, I think Hillary Clinton. Um, they, they they all kind of play that populist card now. Um, so it's it's kind of the the popular mode. And actually, there have been interesting studies that I can't quote exactly, but um, I don't know the the full data. But there are uh, there were a striking number of people um, in. I think the last was, uh, but anyway, uh, who were who were willing to, to vote for either Bernie Sanders or Donald Trump, um, and they just wanted one of the two, and it didn't really matter which one. And it's like, well, that's interesting because they're so different politically, um, but they mm-hmm. they were that populist strand, which was in both, was was really speaking to people in the, uh, the last several elections, um, and, and so you see it, uh, and I think that's what's interesting about uh, that, and also like this love of really good speakers because William Jennings Bryan uh, gives one of the uh, what's considered the best convention speech in uh, American history of uh, this it's called the cross of gold speech and it's it's mm. really an excellent speech mm. um and you see that now that we kind of love people who are great orators and it's like yeah they may have trash policies but I just want them to be entertaining mm. um and that's strange that's <laughs> really yeah, strange yeah. um in a lot of ways we're kind of drawn to entertainment over substance Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, we just want a, a good order and somebody who's talking about my people. Um, yeah. and, uh, it doesn't matter if I like their, their ideas. I just want them to talk about me. Um, and I think you, that gets into a lot of these discussions. Um, I think we all just want to feel represented. Um, and it doesn't matter what crazy combination of ideas you believe. Um, I think everybody just kind of wants to be represented these days. Um, mm-hmm. and that's, maybe a natural idea that we have as humans, but there are so many different I, you know, people that want to be represented that it's, it's hard to do all of that. And so inevitably somebody leaves with hurt feelings. Hmm. Um, so anyway, yeah, I think it's, that's kind of the, 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 where we are in the political world right now is that everybody wants to be represented. Yeah. I love the fact that you, you, you speak to our desire to hear good rhetoric. And, yeah. and I think sometimes people think that maybe, oh, that, that's from a bygone era. Maybe we don't really need that. And that is absolutely not true. Right. We, as human beings, we, we love it. We go to it, whether it's coming from the, the, the pulpit in church, whether it's coming from 
uh, the, the lectern in the, uh, the college classroom, whether it's coming from the stage of a political rally. We really do go for uh, the great oratory, the great rhetoric, it stirs the soul. But I would draw, uh, there's a great line from the, um, and Wildman already mentioned, you know, I'm a Latin teacher. And so um, the uh, there's a Roman rhetorician uh, named Quintilian. And he had a famous line as to, you know, what is the definition of an orator? And his definition was, we're bonus dicendi peritus, which means a good, good man skilled in speaking. Hmm. And I think a lot of times we think only of the latter part, someone who is yeah. skilled in speaking. And his definition was, no, it's got to be a good man mm -hmm. skilled in speaking. And so ultimately, that's what we want to see. And every, every once in a while, we get it. And that's the person who rises to the level, you know, of a statesman, really, and and someone who is is morally grounded, someone who is 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 a good person, yeah. and has that oratorical skill. And boy, that person they can really captivate and 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 move ideas. to um, continue with that idea we were talking about with William Jennings Bryan and what Steve was just saying about the or orator and you were saying it as well. I remember several years ago listening, several years ago, listening to a president who was in hot water, um, not the one you're thinking of, but the other one, folks, it's, you know, it's that one. Um, and, uh, and I remember hearing the newscaster after his speech was over say, um, it has been said before that if you give this man a microphone in front of him, in front of the United States for two hours, he can get out of anything. That he pretty much can talk his way out of it. And, and, that, and that's what we're going with, with the idea of the focus. Going back to the William Jennings Bryan thing of, um, of how, um, the, going back to the Scopes trial and, yeah. and the Inherit the Wind. I love that episode you guys did about talking about Inherit the Wind, the play and all that. And I, I mentioned to you on Twitter, I think it was about the movie that I watched Inherit the Wind with George C. Scott in it. Mm -hmm. And there was a segment in that movie, and I'm not sure if it's, this is correct. Uh, I don't know that your podcast got too much into this one, if I remember right. Um, but it was talking about um, the way it ended. Was it really portrayed William Jennings Bryan as this guy that lost his mind? Uh, he's a, a narcissist that lost his mind and he starts running right then and says, and he says uh, at the very end, he's like, he's like, oh, my speech, my speech. If I can just, just give my speech, mm -hmm. that'll, that'll solve everything. If I can, if I can just give my speech. 
But what I want to ask about is specifically historically the Scopes trial. I've always been intrigued by that. I did master's work on that in my master's wow. program. And uh, do you, how much of a impact do you think that trial had on what we're dealing with today? Oh, yeah. Well, and for those who don't know, in 1925, it was the trial in uh, Dayton, Tennessee, that um, the, they it was a test case that was devised by the ACLU where they would have a young man who was a teacher named John Scopes, and uh, he said he taught evolution in public schools, even though he didn't actually teach pub- uh, evolution in public schools. But uh, And so it was meant as a test case and a way to draw attention to Dayton, Tennessee, which was this town that was dying out. Um, and uh, they invited two of the most famous people who you know, like just speakers really in the country. So uh, William Jennings Bryan uh, comes and he ran for president three times and he did the lecture circuit and was speaking. Uh, they invite Clarence Darrow, who was this uh, lawyer who's def- defended uh, you know, big business and criminals alike and the poor and all sorts of different things, interests, and they're pitted together. And alt- and William Jennings Bryan, eventually the lawyer, gets tr- called to the stand and he bungles it. Um, he's not supposed to be there, first of all. They'd already won. They'd proved proven that this guy had taught evolution, even though he really didn't, um, in the schools. And that was it. He didn't have to do it. But uh, in order to get the big show while, you know, the radio audience is listening and people are listening in this big courtroom. Uh, he, he, well, actually this, this part was outside, uh, but they, uh, they hold this big hearing outside and he gets grilled by Clarence Darrow asking all the sort of village atheist questions of, you know, do you believe that, you know, Jonah was swallowed by a real whale, that kind of stuff. Um, and he bungles it. Um, and, what happened, interestingly, uh, there's a, a good book by Ed Larson about this. Um, essentially, what happens is that he, um, the, 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 the world sees this as kind of a draw. There was no winner. There was no loser. Clarence Darrow was a bit of a bully. Uh, William Jennings Bryan bungled it, but who wouldn't when Clarence Darrow is interviewing you? Not that big of a deal. Uh, but then in the 1950s, uh, a play called Inherit the Wind is written and then becomes like a smash hit on Broadway and then uh, subsequently becomes a movie and then a TV movie um, and is performed in high schools now all over the country. And uh, the play was historically inaccurate <laughs> by far. Uh, so even like uh, Wildman mentioned, I, there's this this character that represents William Jennings Bryan and he's you know stuttering and stammering and he um looks kind of like an idiot like he had a stroke or something like that and uh and that is not what happened in real life uh he was not muttering and stammering um he was actually pretty calm and didn't speak for most of the trial um and he did have a great speech that was reserved that he never got to give because of some trickery that Darrow pulled um but he he still had that published, even though uh, he died a few like a less than a week after the trial. Um, and and uh, the the movie and also a, a a book that came out a few years earlier um, leave this legacy with um, the the world that make people think that the the fundamentalists lost this battle and that this was the moment that drove them underground or or else. Um, uh, 
made them destroy their movement, basically destroyed their movement. It didn't destroy their movement. Uh, it They were already underground. They had their own um, radio networks and book publishing houses and uh, email or uh, uh, letter distribution lists. Now it's on email. Um, and, uh, and they had all this stuff. They didn't need popular culture anymore. They were already had, had their own distribution means. Uh, so they, they didn't, die out. They just kind of went off the radar uh, of the sort of secular society. And they were already doing that. Um, but uh, this, the the legend grew up after Inherit the Wind. And then this other book, um, Only Yesterday, was what it was called, came out in the 1930s. Um, after those things came out, it changed people's view of like this, or their understanding of what actually happened. It was a draw in 1925. Nobody won or nobody lost. But in the 50s and the 60s, people start remembering it as this total failure for fundamentalism. So even now, yeah, you, I don't know if maybe you've seen this in conversations yourselves, but I have conversations when I bring up the the Scopes trial where people, it's like a wound that they carry around. Um, and as we season six, get to talking about textbooks again, um, mm. <laughs> it'll probably get dredged up that if people are carrying around this idea that we lost and the country is against us. And um, you know, we were made a fool of, but we'll never be made a fool of again. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this this idea that, uh, that I talked to his, this historian named Joel Carpenter for next season, and uh, he talks about fundamentalism. Um, yeah, there's a component where they're angry, but there's also the this component of a wounded lover that uh, we we have been wounded by somebody we care about. We want, uh, like uh, the Christian society, I guess, wants to be taken seriously and wants to be seen as a legitimate force. Um, even though we act like, Oh, we don't need you. We're separate. We're separate. Yeah. Uh, there's this yeah. idea that we want to belong and we want to be understood just like anybody else really. Um, and that kind of guides a lot of these discussions. I think when people talk about textbooks and evolution versus creation, um, there's this wounded lover part of us that feels like we're ignored by society and we don't want to be. Um, so I think that's kind of how the, the how the legacy of the Scopes trial still plays out. Um, it's it it's part of that wound uh, that we're trying to to salve, either by mm-hmm. anger or mm-hmm. by longing to be appreciated by the culture. And, and, you know, I, th- that's one thing I find amazing. Um, I know Steve has uh, mentioned this before. Also, is that um, when you talk about the wound that goes back many years ago, and, and it's amazing how how much historical events can impact generations to come yeah um and many times people don't even realize um mm-hmm. why am i acting this way why is my attitude this way towards so it, it almost goes back to the old uh hatfield and mccoy thing you know mm-hmm. like well why are we feuding oh because we're feuding you know right. <laughs> like what, what's the reason there is who no can reason. even remember yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and, and so i i think that that's what I find so intriguing about this, because when you can start to understand why, uh, what is the motivation for the certain behaviors that are out there, the behaviors that I have, um, we can become self-aware also and say, why do I have this tendency? I thought I was right. Well, maybe I was wrong. Yeah. Uh, you know. Well, I also think it's it's really helpful. I I over the last few years, as tensions have gotten high and stuff, I've been rereading the Sermon on the Mount. Um, every now and then, and I'm I'm constantly struck by um, this attitude that that Jesus describes, where it's like, yeah, they're going to hit you, let them hit you, 
they're going to take your stuff. Well, give it away before they can take it. There's this attitude of like, I don't want to be glib about this, but so what? You know, like, yeah, so so what? If you think people hate you, go out there and love them, pray for them, bless them. Who? So what if they hate you? And I think that that's such a powerful, I mean, I got the chills <laughs> just mm, now, mm. but uh, I mean, that's the power. Like you do the right thing, the right way, the right, for the right reasons at the right time, regardless of what the outcome is going to be. Um, and uh, I think that's so powerful. It's kind of what we're missing. It's like, it's good. It's really is good to know how we got to where we are. But if, if that motivates us to continue a culture war that isn't working, um, we're just going to continue to like be dragged through the mud and we'll deserve it. The The point of this, uh, of being a Christian is not to have everything our way. The point is to be like, yeah, if you slap me, fine, I'm still going to love you. Um, and that's, it's really hard. It's what it's, that's the component we're missing, I think in mm. modern evangelicalism. And it's something I believe we can get back, um, is, uh, just loving people, not necessarily proving of their sin, but I'm just going to love you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to pray for you. Um, that's a huge, and, that's a huge comment. Yeah. That's huge. And I, you know, it, that, that, what you just said, that may preach. And so wild man, you might be able to take that and, and actually preach that. Yeah, go for it. Well, you sure can't run for office on that. You sure can't sell mm-hmm. products on that, right? Okay. Because the division thing, and it's got to be hooray for my side. And I've really got to pump mm-hmm. up my, puff out my chest. And I, I wonder, and and I think I don't know, maybe just even privately, while man, we may have talked about this. I don't know if we ever talked about it on the show, but I don't know that in in twenty twenty three, United States of America that we know how to suffer. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, again, you think back to the first century, uh, the, the the earliest Christians and, and some of what they were going through. You think about some of the other periods of great persecution in the church. You think about places in the world today. Uh, it is 2023, but maybe in other places in the world uh, where there is really, really such great persecution. You're, you're going to get arrested. You're going to lose your job. You might get executed. You might get beaten. Your family come under uh, harassment. Your 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 home burn for for speaking the name of Jesus. And I wonder that we really know how to to suffer for the faith. And again, this is exactly what you said. Jesus, is like, hey, someone hit you. So what? I'm not sure that many modern Americans, contemporary Americans, who who would claim to follow Christ, are really quite ready to do that. All right, there's yeah. a little bit of mm-hmm. well, well, yeah, but no, there's no and or but to it. It's just be willing to suffer yeah. for the name.
And I think a lot of that comes down to our economic ideas. We all kind of want our next generation to have it as good or better than we did. Um, and the idea that some of that might be slipping away has become an idol uh, for us over the years. And I'm kind of going to make that case in season six uh, as I cover trickle-down economics and um, uh, the um, Milton Friedman and all that. Uh, which Look forward to that. Another great Christian yeah, podcast about yeah. Milton Friedman. Uh, <laughs> way to build an audience. But uh, we we have really gotten tied to economic ideas. Um, and part of that is I need to get mine or I need to hold on to what's mine. When Christ is constantly telling us uh, in the gospels to let go of what, you know, uh, you know, don't, don't take a tunic, don't take an extra pair of sandals, you know, uh, you know, the, the son of man had no, no place to lay his head. Uh, that's the kind of people we're called to be. And I think that we can, um, not in a way that's like, people are always afraid that I'm talking about socialism. When I say that kind of thing, it's very different than socialism. I'm not saying the government is going to tell you to give up your stuff. I'm saying God told you to give up your stuff. That's, and that's very controversial, but it's the scripture. It's the, the uh, I, I always tell people, like, I don't love reading theology books because I think the stuff that we struggle with is the easiest stuff. It's the stuff that's so clear. You don't have to look up what the Greek and the, you know, was. It's, it's obvious what he's telling you to do, but that's the stuff we struggle with. And a lot of it is that humility. Can I, you know, I mean, a, a dumb example of it. Uh, we have, I live in uh, a ski town here in uh, Jackson, Wyoming. And um, we have a lot of young men who come through here and, uh, and my brother and I are always trying to like figure out how we can bless them, how we can raise them up, how we can encourage them to be godly men and then send them out because inevitably they're going to leave because it's so expensive to live here. But uh, part of that for me means uh, if they want to borrow my skis or my mountain bike or something like that, I have to be able to do that. And if you've ever worked with young men, you know that like a truism for young men is young men break things. Like if I loan something to a young man, they're going to break it. So part of it for me is like, I have to be able to be like, yeah, I can build this relationship and and maybe even share the gospel with this young man or build up their their existing faith. But it's it might take me losing my mountain bike, or it might mean that as it happened to my twin brother, it might mean that one of the skis pops off that you've loaned to somebody and they can't find it until the spring. And so it's all rusted, uh, you know, but <laughs> But that's how you make a relationship. You have to be willing to give up that thing that you love, that mountain bike, that, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might mean dirtying your floors. Like I did the, the first ever audio story I worked on. I went down, this was so long ago, but uh, I went down to uh, Mississippi, to Van Cleve, Mississippi, um, to uh, work on Hurricane Katrina relief uh, with a church. And there was this kind of old rundown church, Van Cleve United Methodist Church. And uh, they, when Hurricane Katrina happened, they opened their doors to allow people to come. But the week before they uh, this happened, before Hurricane Katrina, they had a big argument in their church about what color the towels would be in the kitchen. I'm not making that up. <laughs> it was a big argument. Yeah. yeah. And then Hurricane mm-hmm. Katrina happens, and then they they decide we're an old dying church. We're going to open this up and we're going to allow mission teams to come in, track up the backyard, you know, turn all the grass into mud. We're going to build showers in the back of the building and we're going to have people sleeping in the in this Sunday school rooms. And this tiny little dying church became a center for helping people in the community. And they had tool trailers everywhere. They had offices and they made two meals a day for people. Um 
And meanwhile, there's this mega church down the street that's completely closed. Uh, beautiful new building, big parking lot, closed up. Never once saw it open. And uh, it's like, okay, which church is doing the ministry? It's the one that says, who cares what the grass looks like? Who cares what gets tracked on the on the rug? We're going to do ministry. Um, and I, I'll never fit, forget Van Cleve United Methodist. Um, <laughs> I think that's that's what we need to be doing. We need to be having an open hand to the things of this world. And that's, it's just not easy in a consumer society. So anyway, that's the end of my rant. <laughs> sure. No, that's, that's good stuff, folks. And, yeah. and folks, uh, if you haven't yet, you know, please go and listen to his podcast. It'll be probably just what my experience was. You will be hooked as soon as you hear just the first oh, few minutes. Um, and you can find it um, pretty on all pop podcast um, streaming mm-hmm. services. Um, truthspodcast.com is where you can go to find more uh, more about this. Um, but one final question I'd like to throw at you here before we go. We always do this when we have a non-musician guest because we always usually have music. Not, not saying you're not a musician, but just saying you're not on the I'm show not. because of being a musician. Okay, so yeah, you're yeah. not. Okay, not, sorry. So we always at least need to tie in something with music because this is a music, a Christian music podcast. So can you tell our listeners what music do you like to listen to? Oh, all sorts of music. Um, I thought you were going to ask me about a heavy metal song, so I came prepared. Uh, <laughs> but in order to pay for the in order to pay for the Truce podcast, I uh, drive a school bus, mm-hmm. and uh, so I every year at the end of the year I play "Schools Out" uh, by Alice Cooper. Um, <laughs> that's that's one of my big ones. But truly, I, I listen to opera and blues and jazz and rock and roll and heavy metal, everything. So yeah. Yeah. So what, what what did you come prepared with? You said you came prepared. Oh yeah, uh, Alice Cooper. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Alice Cooper all yeah. 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 Oh, and, nice. and funny oh. enough, my my I went to college with um, uh, Dennis Dunaway, who wrote that song. I went to college with his daughter. Oh. Um, and one of the last days of college, my brother went um, antiquing with Dennis Dunaway, and Dennis bought him some pie. So I have a I have a Dennis Dunaway connection as well. Oh Very wow, cool. yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> And beginning now, I know that you're going to be doing research on the Christian heavy metal and rock scene, especially, um, and do a, maybe a season on that. Um, and that you'll just, you'll just have to use us as your main source, so you'll be listening sure. to our show every chance you get, right? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yep, if the Lord wills. There we go. The yes. Will. All right. Well, we want to thank you for coming on. This has been great. And My uh, pleasure. we just appreciate all that you do. Any way we can yeah. support and, and uh, get it out there and promote what you do. That's what we're here for, because we, we so believe in what you're doing. Praise God. Thank you so much for your support and for this friendly chat. Hey everybody, Wildman here. And this is Steve. And you're listening to Classic Christian Rock Ray. Ray. Steve, we were supposed to say it together. Oh, oh, sorry. Sorry, buddy. Okay, let's try again. Hey everybody, Wildman here. And this is Steve. And you're listening to Classic Christian Rock. <laughs> <laughs>
Steve, what is the problem? I I just don't like how you're doing this. How I'm doing what? Hello, everyone. Wild Man here. It's like, hey, this is my show, and Steve is just my sidekick. Really? You're going to go there now? After all we've been through? The amazing artists we've interviewed, over 140 podcast episodes, 20,000 downloads. Really? After three years of Mr. Segway? Really? You're going to go there now? Okay, I guess you're right. Okay, let's try this again. Hey, everyone. Steve here, and you're listening to Classic Christian Rock Radio. Wow. Just wow. week the dynamic duo returns same wild man and steve time same wild man and steve channel the wild man and steve show is now partnering with new release today find out more about them at newreleasetoday.com and don't forget to check out our website where you can also leave us a review at wildmanandsteve.com Sounds like rock and roll to me.